Hi, Marlon. My name is uh, Nathan Bridge. I'm the Vice President of Exploration for Can Alaska Uranium. We're a small uh, junior exploration company focused in the Athabasca Basin in Canada. Uh, we employ a hybrid project generator model, uh, meaning that we have projects that we operate uh, with our shareholder dollars and projects that we generate on, that we uh, we look for option agreements, joint ventures, or, or eventual sale. Nathan, good to be speaking to you again. Thank you for the introduction. Um, we will talk about the, the prospector generator model uh, in due course. Uh, I'm <laughs> not always a fan, but there are times and places when it works. But uh, before we do that, I've had a look at your uh, slide deck, your uh, you know the, the new corporate presentation, and it tells me that you're, you've got a number of drill programs uh, coming up. So just to understand kind of what the technical basis for these drill programs are, please, let's talk. Um, can you talk me through those drill programs, starting with, I think, the one you're on at the moment, which is uh, MacArthur River? Yeah, absolutely. So, so we're going to be active at both uh, West MacArthur and Key Extension this winter. Uh, those are two very important projects for us here in, in Can Alaska's portfolio. Uh, West MacArthur, I think, is, is obviously the flagship right now. Um, I think before the last time we talked, uh, over the summer here, we went out and, and completed a 10,000-meter uh, diamond drill program on some new geophysics that we had run. So uh, we had to, uh, to update the, the geophysics to, to relocate that conductor. And that conductor is what, what is important in these unconforming uranium deposits. Uh, so we did that in the winter of 2021. Uh, went out and drilled our uh, regional holes. And on the second regional test uh, in, in the summer of 2022, uh, we intersected high-grade mineralization. So we made a new discovery. Uh, the company has termed it the Pike Zone. Uh, the discovery hole, we had about uh, 9 meters at 2.5% uranium, uh, located about 100 meters below the unconformity. So this is basement hosted at this point. Um, and, uh, and, and we spent our, our summer essentially trying to understand the controls of, of this new discovery. Um, we came out of the summer with uh, West MacArthur with, uh, with four intersections of uranium leading us back towards the unconformity. So that unconformity target still exists and, and it's, it's our uh, key goal for 2023. So uh, we just announced a couple of weeks ago that we started a, our 2023 exploration program. Uh, we doubled the budget this year on West MacArthur. It's a $10 million uh, program. And what that'll do for us is that's about 20,000 meters of drilling uh, at the depths that we are at, at West MacArthur. Um, it probably probably will be, uh, you know end up being about uh, 25 to 30 intersections of the target horizon. Um, because we, we are a little bit deeper at West MacArthur, we've actually changed the technology that we're using this year. So we, we've employed a directional technology, a mud motor, uh, that's going to help us to... Uh, to try to pinpoint some of these targets with a little bit more precision. To just run that by me again, you've, you've employed a, a directional drilling, what do you call it, a mud monitor? A mud motor, yeah. So so what it is, is we're, we're able to take a, a pilot hole. So because we have depths at West MacArthur, absolutely, there's, there's some decent sandstone cover. Uh, so what we're able to do is we take that, that mud motor and we create one pilot hole. And we're able to fan off that pilot hole. So instead of starting every single drill hole at surface, drilling 850 meters of sandstone, we essentially can start every drill hole around 400, 500 meters, eliminating that upper, you know, four to 500 meters that we don't require anymore, which in turn allows us to have more intersections of the target with that 20,000 meters. And how many pilot holes do you think you're going to be drilling this year? Yeah, I think that's going to be really results dependent. Um, our focus for the, the winter here is going to be on understanding the immediate extensions of the pike zone. So we've got an area that we've defined as a project team here saying about 400 meters wide. That's about 200 meters on either side of that initial discovery fence. Uh, we're focused on understanding the structure, the controls, the mineralization, 
both in the basement and at the unconformity in that zone around pipe. Uh, and, and we stuck we stuck to that uh, that particular size because knowing that um, how these unconformity deposits form and the sizes that they typically form, that's a good footprint for us to kind of focus on. Uh, by doing that, what it allows us to do is we can probably get away with you know four to six pilot holes to to garner those twenty five to thirty intersections of the unconformity. Okay, so that makes sense. Kind of four or five holes of each pilot hole. Um, <clears throat> now you are completely familiar with all of this uh, uh, geography yes. and uh, geology. For me, coming into it cold, uh, it would really help if you could just pull up the regional map first, just to just so I can revisit the geophysics from. 2021 so i can see where the conductors are and where you are you, you call it the c10 corridor uh, and and i just want to understand visually can you just remind me where where you're moving to and i just want to kind of have a look at that so if you could share that'd be really helpful so thank you nathan that's i can see the new targets for 2022 drilling uh, can you just describe the, the the c10 corridor for me from that smaller map on the bottom right yeah, absolutely. So the C10 corridor, is, it's a, a quite an important corridor um, in the eastern Athabasca. So if you look at the, the map at the bottom right here, what you can see on the far right is the MacArthur River mine. So that's the hosted along the P2 corridor, uh, multiple pods along that string. Now the C10 corridor, which is located in the middle of that map and then extends onto the West MacArthur uh, Joint Venture Project, uh, it's host to, to quite a few uh, deposits, the Fox Lake deposits. So there's about uh, about 70 million pounds at 8% uranium in the Fox Lake deposits. Uh, that's owned by Cameco and Arano. That C10 corridor then trends onto the, the West MacArthur Joint Venture. Now, historically, it was thought to go more of a, an east-west direction across the property here. We went out and we renamed the geophysics in 2022 to try to relocate that conductor. And what you see now is there's two, uh, two of those blue conductive corridors one that trends more in that typical east-west, and one that actually trends down a little bit more to the, the southwest. And so our goal in 2022, um, while we were working on the, the 42 zone, was to go out and understand, is one of these corridors, the C10, or hosted the, the, the structure that actually controls the mineralization for the Fox Lake deposits and the 42 zone? Um, and what we found is on that first hole... Can I just back up? The conductor, yeah. so what is the conductive... Um horizon here you know are we talking are these um deep-seated crustal structures with some kind of conductive mineral associated with them yeah absolutely so in in typical athabasca basin deposits uh, the conductors usually rent uh, sorry represent graphitic pelites so those are graphitic metasedimentary rocks um and they, they, they generate that conductive signal. So you can see in the background on that image on the left, uh, that is a, a ZTEM survey. You can see those wide conductive corridors that it's highlighted. Um, the actual blue lines of conductors are what we measure from the ground survey. So we get a better idea of where the strongest conductivity is along those lines. And, and typically, the reason that the graphitic pelites are such a great target is because they're a lot softer than the rocks around them. So they're a little bit more uh, brittle and they'll break easier than say some of the harder um, granites and the domes that are on either side in, in those you know blue low areas on the map on the left. Hang on, uh, I'm just trying to get my head around this. So the pelites are part of this, this the Athabasca basin sequence. They're not part of the basement, uh, crystalline basement geology, but the, 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 the mineralization is in the underlying basement geology so how does the pelite which sits in the in the sedimentary basin or perhaps it doesn't 
um, how does the P light guide you to the mineralization which is in the basement? Yeah, so the, so the P lights are in the basement, so that would be uh, what okay. we call the the, the lower Wallston. Um, so the lower Wallston rocks in this area were initially uh, metasedimentary, uh, or sorry, sedimentary, I guess. Um, and through metamorphic processes, now we have metasedimentary rock. So the basement okay. cover here is is polytic uh, metasediments, and then at the Basque sandstone overlies those. Okay, and they're much younger, and so they're that's much hence, younger, the, yes. hence the erosional contact and the unconformity okay i'm with you um sorry i'm i'm i'm, a, I'm ignorant and therefore learning slowly um and what did you have at the 42 zone and why did you call that a discovery and how far is the pike zone from the uh, what you found last year from the 42 zone yeah the, the 42 zone was a discovery that was made uh in in 2017 uh as part of the the joint venture here with chemical uh, chemical is our partner on, on west macarthur uh, the 42 zone right now, it's about 125 meters wide. Uh, we've got up to 8% uranium in assay. Uh, that's, that's classic unconformity hosted mineralization. So it's sitting right at that contact between those basement rocks and the base of the sandstone. And uh, with the 42 zone, though, what's, what's really um, anomalous about it is the alteration halo. It's got quite a significant alteration halo, and there's, there's uh, a lot of structure in the area. And I think that that's related to the, uh, the, the conductive corridor changing its, its direction here is that it makes that bend. But what the 42 zone tells us about this trend is that we're on the right target. You know, you can see on that map on the right, we have the C10 corridor, the Fox Lake deposits, you have the 42 zone. Now we have the Pike discovery, which on this map would be located on this red star down here. That was our first target on the C10 South corridor. Hang the on. distance between just... the Pike Zone and the Forty Two Zone—it's about six kilometers right now. Okay. Um, when you talk about Forty Two Zone discovery, it's it, that's more like a kind of a, a, a conceptual. You, you're testing the geological model rather. You know, you're not moving in to drill this out. You're not calling that a, a, a deposit discovery. It's a, a mineralizing style observation. Absolutely. Yeah. So we've got a small a small zone here. Uh, there, there's mineralization there. Um, again, that idea of pearls on a string, this is one of those small pods along the string of the C10 corridor. Um, there is still targets, it's still open in all directions. Um, so we haven't, uh, we haven't completely delineated the 42 zone yet, uh, but obviously with our new, new results, our, our focus has shifted to the Pike zone. And was it the geophysics that just looked really sweet on, on that, um, that Pike zone? And, and to me, it looks as if that the, the 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 target to the west also looks pretty juicy. It, you know that, and that's where we came out of out of our uh, our geophysical survey and said, okay, well, we've got two really nice targets. So we drilled that target to the west that you're referring to, uh, this guy right here, um, and and there was no structure, no alteration, and nothing anomalous. Uh, unfortunately, uh, that, that's what happens in exploration from time to time. And so what's, what's really odd about this, this area is that, uh, if you'll recall, when we talked about our 2021 drill program, um, we had the, the a fence right at the edge of the, the, the C10, or sorry, the, the 42 zone extension here, uh, where we had a large fault. And all the drilling to the west didn't, didn't seem to line up. We lost the fault, we lost all the alteration, we lost the chemistry, and so we couldn't understand exactly where it was going. So the next best case in, in, in this scenario is that, well, perhaps it's jumping down to that, that southern corridor that we call the C10 South, which is why when we did the geophysical survey, we made sure to cover both those corridors. So our second hole after, uh, after we drilled that regional test was a regional test on that, that southern corridor. And what we found is um, 
uh, really great structure in the lower sandstone uh, associated with alteration, uh, a really wide package of metasedimentary rocks, which are great host rocks, graphic pelites in there. And then uh, that the 42, or sorry, the Pike Zone Discovery, which is that nine meters at two and a half percent. So uh, a very, uh, very good first hole on, on a regional target. And um, can you, do you have a map of the planned holes or the planned area of interest for the 2023 drilling? Because I can see that those are the new targets for 2022 drilling. You know, um, what happens now? Yeah, so uh, so the 2023 program, like I mentioned earlier, we're really focused in and around the Pike Zone uh, and that 400 meter uh, extension around Pike. So uh, just for a little bit of background here to kind of to show you where we ended 2022 at and, and where we're going with 2023. So in 2022, uh, we ended up uh, with uh, four mineralized intersections in the Pike Zone. So you can see them here on the, the left hand side, we've, out, we've outlined kind of a, a mineralized envelope. And on the right, you can see the stars where we've identified the mineralization both on and off section as it approaches that unconformity target. So um, our, our focus for 2023 is staying within this immediate area. We believe we understand the structural control now. You can see the, the orientation of the, the mineralized envelope. Uh, so we're gonna follow that mineralized envelope to the unconformity. Reason for that, in these sorts of deposits, typically the highest grades are located at the unconformity. And this is because this is where you get the most space. So you get your basement fluids coming up along those gray graphitic pelites. You get your sandstone fluids mixing. They mix at that unconformity target where the, the, the structures have created a lot of space. And that space allows the mineralization to drop out in really significant grades. Um, and why we're really excited about the unconformity target, it's actually the last hole of the program that we did. That's, that's this slide here, that's, that's 72.3. Uh, 72.3, um, we had uh, up to 25% U308 in assay. So one sample ran 25, which is which is phenomenal grades. Um, is know. that a pitch blend? That's what, just what, basically what? solid uranium steel. Yeah, that's that's straight uranium, yeah. Is, is the precipitation between the oxidizing waters, I mean, is it a chemical, is it a redox um, reaction between the oxidized sandstone, the, the basinal waters at the base of the sandstone with the uh, reduced waters coming up? the yeah the, the, absolutely. The, the, the fluid the fluid pathway of the p lights that that's exactly what it is that's that's what uh what makes these these deposits uh uh form it's essentially it's just a, a simple redox reaction you have uh uranium that's when it's oxidized in the sandstone fluids it's mobile uh, it's basement uh, basement fluids or reduced fluids and the the reaction between those two fluids as long as you have space in the right uh ehph controls you drop out that mineralization at the unconformity. The fracture-hosted mineralization in the basement is simply because that is how deep the oxidizing fluids, uranium-bearing oxidizing fluids, can penetrate down a, a permeable fluid pathway. Yep, that's exactly it. That's that fluid mixing in the basement, so that the egress system, or so ingress system, so you've got the uh, the fluids traveling down the fault, mixing with the basement fluids down on those. It typically forms where you get um, kind of two faults that come together, so along the lineation in the basement. That's that's classic for what you'd see at you know an Eagle Point uh, or Millennium. The structures are really important in the basement, um, where you get two two orientations that intersect. You get the, the space to be able to drop out significant grades. The unconformity is um, more flat line, so you get more of a pancake style. And so the the, the intersection between two structures, you, you create a kind of a pipe-like um, deposit, and the yeah. the where you get the 
the unconformity one where you get the uh, the, the structure of the fluid pathway hitting the base, the, the the base of the sedimentary base, and that's where you can get the pancake. And the yeah. presumably these are long lived processes. So kind of as the basin kind of sinks and dewaters, you have a kind of a, um, a, a continual flow of of over a long geological period. You know, this is a geological time frame, not a uh, a human time frame, um, <laughs> yes. which allows the, yeah, the, the, the concentration of 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 mineralization in that in that spot. Yeah, so most of the mineralization in the Athabasca Basin, just in general, uh, just as a general statement, is typically about uh, 1.5 billion years old. It seems to be the main mineralizing event. Now, because of that, that redox reaction that you, you mentioned, these deposits are very sensitive to resetting, um, that, that uranium can be remobilized. Uh, so there's multiple, if you look at timelines for mineralization, there's multiple resetting events throughout the entire history of the basin. Um, what these are actually really quite useful for and why we like exploring at the, the depths that we do out here at, at West MacArthur is that the remobilization of those uh, those elements actually creates some pretty significant halos. You know, I talked about it at, at 42 zone where we see that, that large geochemical halo above 42 zone. That's a result of secondary remobilization of, of the, the, the fluids to, to create these alteration halos. So, yeah, deep, deep sandstone is one thing, but deep sandstone can also be really beneficial if, if you understand how these fluids move along these structures. Good. Well, I'm learning a lot about the geology and how these um, deposits are formed. But um, just just to, in terms of the kind of the concrete work that you're going to be doing, the actual drilling plan, presumably you're essentially targeting inside of that hashed area and in that right-hand diagram, which says unconformity target. Yep. Absolutely. So we've got two drills right now on site. Um, one is targeting the unconformity target immediately ahead of that mineralized envelope. The other is targeting the unconformity target area immediately behind the hole to the right there, WMA 73. So we took one shot at the unconformity at the very end of the season uh, and overshot our target. About 200 meters above the unconformity in 73, we have really nice developed structure, uh, a little geochemical halo that goes with it. And that tells us to step back about 60 meters uh, behind that drill hole. So that's what we're doing with our second rig uh, right now as we speak, actually. Can you try and um, point with your mouse on that screen? Because I, I can't see exactly what you're... Yeah, absolutely. So here's our first one. So we'll be, we'll be stepping ahead of WMA67 here. Test immediately up dip of the, that mineralization that we've identified in the basement. And the second one we'll be targeting over here. That's about 60 meters step back from WMA73 where we overshot our target. Okay. Okay, I haven't still haven't got the the the, the, the uh, three dimensional uh, <laughs> uh, geometry in my head, but um, fine. Let's leave it at that. Yeah. Um, so, so that uh, drill program that you're talking about, the ten million dollar budget, twenty. What do you reckon? Twenty thousand meters of drilling, uh, roughly, and the twenty five to thirty pierce points. Mm -hmm. uh, how long is that going to take? And and how reactive can you be do you need to drill a few months and then have a break and then come back again or will you be able to work it through uh, dynamically as you go yeah so this like i mentioned earlier this project is a joint venture with canico which means we have a budgeting cycle and we have uh, a jv that we have to follow uh, we control about 80 percent right now uh, so we do have a jv process so in the fall we went through that jv process we established a 10 million dollar budget the work plan that that goes with it as you mentioned um, so depending on results, um, there's, there's mechanisms with that joint venture, but it, it really depends on results. Uh, so we try to stick to the, the timeline as close as we can. Um, the timeline right now we'll see is probably putting my hope is to put about, uh, 
65 to 70% of the drilling into the winter here. We're going to pause the drilling probably mid-April, and then we're running a second geophysical survey. Uh, so as one of the things you pointed out there, the distance between 42 zone and pike is about six kilometers. The trend also continues for another nine kilometers on the property. So while we're understanding the pike zone in the future, we're going to need to be able to understand where some other deposits may exist on this trend. We've seen it with the Fox Lake deposits. We have the, the 42 zone, now the pike zone. There's, there's still uh, tremendous potential along this. We're talking about, you know, 15 kilometers where we haven't actually uh, tested this corridor. So we'll be doing another geophysical survey for about two months in the, in the spring that'll help us prioritize which line to go first once we, we step away from Pike. Uh, I want to be clear though, our focus right now is on the Pike zone. That is our, our goal for 2023. And then once that geophysical survey is done, we'll reoccupy the camp there and, and complete the rest of the, that, you know, 30% of the drilling that we have remaining in the budget. And are you going to concentrate on the southern uh, most limb of that kind of the, uh, as, as the corridor splits? Are you going to follow the, the, the Pike uh, uh, yeah. structure or the, the, the Pike um, P lights down, or are you going to also cover the, the Western P lights? No, I think, I think at this point, you know, the, the team and, and myself and the team, we're, we're content with the fact that we think we're back on the right corridor. You know, we see the 42 zone, we see the, the indications of a large fault, large system with a, in and around Pike zone here on the C10 South. That's the focus for the company right now. Uh, you know, even from a outside of Pike regional perspective, only on that C10 South corridor. We're gonna we're gonna leave that other one alone for now. Are there any geochemical um, uh, uh, techniques that you can use when you're dealing with a buried target six or seven hundred meters down or, or more? Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, actually, one of the you know one of the things I learned very early in my career is that uh, uranium is the best pathfinder for uranium. Um, it's it's extremely mobile. Uh, there's a lot of other elements that you can use as pathfinders, you know, arsenic. Uh, boron, copper, nickel, but they're all associated with the redox process and, and uranium is just extremely mobile. So uh, what we do is we actually sample the entire sandstone column from top to bottom and we look for, for low level anomalies. And in the Athabasca, low level anomaly would be a PPM of uranium. That sandstone is so clean that uh, one PPM of uranium really shouldn't be there. So, you know, we, we start seeing anomalies like one, two, three PPM uh, on regional targets, that's encouraging. When you start to see samples that generate in the, you know, 5, 10, 15 ppm uranium, that's extremely encouraging. Those are very significant halos for, for unconforming deposits. So again, that exploring undercover, you can use it to your advantage if you understand how the, the system forms and how the, the fluids move around those basins. And does that work with grab samples or is there glacial till over this whole thing? I mean, do you... There's glacial till, yeah. Yeah, we've got about 30, 30 meters of, of overburden cover. Um, there is techniques, I know, you know, um, in my time in the industry, I've seen a lot of different techniques tried. Um, I think tried and true is still the, the geochemistry, but in order to get the geochemistry, you have to drill. So without that, there's, there's other surficial techniques you can use, but a little bit more. Uh, and when you say drilling, you mean you mean diamond drilling. You don't mean uh, yeah. rotary air blast to kind of get through to the bottom or to do base of till or, or top of fresh rock. It's not something I've done in my career. Um, you know, I've seen it tried a couple times in a couple different spots in the basin uh, with, with varying degrees of success. Uh, not something I'm familiar with. Uh, at this stage that we're at at West MacArthur, diamond drill is, is essentially the way to go. Okay, interesting. And I think it's important that you do do that geophysics down the whole corridor because unless you unless you cast your net wide across your, your primary uh, mineralizing structure, you'll never know whether you're actually on the best target or not. Well, that, that's the challenge we face right now is, you know, we have 15 kilometers. Uh, and as you can see from that, that map I showed with the corridor, there's, there's lots of deposits along this corridor. 
we we have no idea if we're in the right spot. You know, and that's that's a goal here. Is okay, get an understanding of Python. We have mineralization, so let's understand the size of it. That doesn't mean that this is the right spot to be. So we need to we need another tool in our tool belt here to try to help us move ahead after we've got our, our controls around Pike Zone. And c- coming back to Pike Zone and calling it a discovery, you know, when when should someone call something a discovery? It's always a moot point. I often find that uh, I've got a theory or. or uh, you know, um, one of Merlin's spurious ideas um, is that discovery can only really be found in or, or defined in retrospect. So you can only say, oh, that was the discovery hole after you've drilled 40, 50, 200, whatever it is, holes. Um, <clears throat> and I've had good chats with uh, Corey about, um, you know, the smell of of it. And he, you know, he feels it's a discovery because of all of the, the, the halo and, and the alteration and the, and the physical smell of it. Um, but I wonder whether you need more drill holes to start hanging together fences and in almost to be, to be able to put a kind of a geological conceptual wireframe around an, a body before you can call it a discovery. Yeah, you know, for me right now, we, we've been very clear and it's the Pike Zone. Um, it's to us, it's the Athabasca's, uh, Eastern Athabasca's nearest high grade uranium discovery. Um, I mean, you look at the grades that we've got that, that initial discovery hole, nine meters at two and a half percent. Um, you, you don't put nine meters of two and a half percent in, in any sort of small system. Um, we look at our last hole this season, 25% uranium. 25% uranium is very significant. Those are extremely high grades. It takes a large system to form that high grade material. Um, we, we fully recognize that we're, we're one season into this. Um, we're just getting our hands around the control. And, and so that's really what 2023 is focused on for us is, okay, can we, can we start getting those multiple fences in so I can, I can start doing that wireframe with a bit more confidence. So that um, I can call it a discovery by the end of the, the year. year. You can discovery, call it a discovery at the hope, beginning of the year. Yes, yeah. <laughs> Good. Um, great. Um, thank you. Now um, let's let's jump to Key Lake Extension, which I, I also know not much about. Um, could you uh, talk me into it before we get into uh, slides? Yeah, absolutely. So, so Key Extension is a really unique project. Um, it's one that we actually acquired in October of 2021. Uh, so it's located just outside the southeastern part of the Athabasca Basin. Uh, it's about 10 kilometers from the Key Lake Mine and Mill. So the Key Lake Mine um, produces about 150 million pounds of uranium historically. The mill operation there now is actually the mill that, that uh, does all the ore from MacArthur River. So it travels down the Hall Road to Key Lake. Um, the project itself is located just essentially along the highway. It's the same highway that to drive straight down to Saskatoon. Um, and we, we got our hands on it in October of, of 2021. And we, we went after it for a very specific reason, is that it had uh, very little modern geophysics and it had no, no significant drilling. Uh, for us, we believe that it's the extension of the, the Key Lake Fault, the fault that holds those deposits. We believe it comes onto the property, and and so um, we went we went out in 2022 uh, once we got our hands on the project and completed a ground gravity survey. I'll show you the map here in a couple minutes, and generated some great targets. Uh, they're a couple kilometer wide gravity lows uh, to us that that indicates alteration of those basement rocks. So we've got the fault, we've got our conductors that run through, and they're they're disrupted in there, and we've got a gravity low. That, that's a classic basement target. That's exactly what you'd see at a, a next gen. You know, that's what the aero deposit has. Uh, look at Eagle Point, the O2 next zone. So, uh, you know, we were 
extremely pleased, I would say, with the results of the geophysical survey. And so now we're at the point where we have to drill it. Um, there's no point in, in, in kind of beating around it anymore. It's, it's get out and actually test the target, see if our theory proved, proved right. Get the truth machines on it. Get the truth machine, yeah. <laughs> Good. Let's have a look at a map, please. Uh, thank you. There we go. So key extension projects, new targets, drilling Q1 2023. I can see from the inset map that it's just outside the southeastern corner of the Athabasca Basin. So uh, the sandstones may have been here. They've been eroded. Uh, you're close to surface. Presumably that will mean short drill holes. Yeah, absolutely. So and you can see here the, on the, the left here, these are the results of the gravity survey that I talked about. So what we measure in ground gravity is is the reduction in the, the density of the rocks, essentially. The lower, um, the gravity lows essentially show that the, the rocks have been altered, uh, those basement rocks, and presumably by, hopefully, uh, fluids uh, that, that contain mineralization. Um, so for key extension here, the, the goal is to focus on short holes. So two, three, potentially 400 meter long drill holes uh, to test these gravity anomalies. Um, you said that to, to just just that that middle anomaly, that, that middle blue spot, yeah. uh, that's a, a kind of gravity low uh, destruction of some feature in the in the underlying geology through hopefully hydrothermal fluid or, or, yeah. or, or fluid 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 mixing. Um, some kind of chemical destruction. Um, yeah. And and you said that these are up to a kilometer. Uh, you know what what's what's the the width on this? Um, yeah. So that that middle target that's going to be actually the key grid, and that's going to be our that's our first drill hole right into the center of that. Um, the reason for that, uh, as you can see, we've got the, the interpreted key like fault here uh, on this image that comes across these gravity lows. Uh, we we have I don't have it on this map, but the the historical conductors in the area uh, are degraded as they come through that that blue low, and it's about two kilometers wide, which is a, a fairly significant uh, distance for a target. When we go look for gravity anomalies, uh, you know our, our theory here, our thought is that they they need to have some width to them. Uh, we don't want small, you know, single line anomalies. Uh, we did this survey at about a fifty meter um, grid spacing across it. So this is an anomaly that, that covers, you know, multiple, um, multiple lines of, of gravity, which tells us that it's, it's probably a, a significant anomaly. It's not a one line anomaly. And that's really what we're focused on is larger anomalies that go over multiple lines in our geophysics. And how do you, how, how do you dr drill it? Are you confident that you know where the, the, the fault is or do you have to put in a long fence of angled holes across it? Do you have to kind of put in 10 holes? Yeah, so our first hole is going to be a long hole. Um, that's very, uh, very important in this area because there's no drill holes. So we don't actually know what the geology is doing. Uh, we have our ideas, our theories, uh, but we don't actually know what the geology is doing. So our first hole will be in the middle of that target. Uh, we did some Maxwell modeling on the, the uh, historical uh, EM data. So what Maxwell modeling does essentially, uh, it fits a conductor plate to the geophysical data that you get. Uh, so we'll target where that geophysical plate is is within that blue gravity low, and that first hole will be a longer hole. We're, we're prepared to, to, to go up to about 400 meters or so to make sure that we have covered the rock to see if we can, if we can find the fault, uh, find the alteration, and then those will guide which direction we go up, down, north south 
So it's kind of an orientation hole to begin with. And, you and need one hole to figure out what's going on. Yeah, and that'll be the first hole. Yeah. Just just one hole? Well, no, no, no. No, no, don't quote me on that. You need one, one hole to figure out the orientation of the rocks. Um, and yeah. from there, we move out. And, and it all yeah. depends on the results, right? If we get... If we get great results, if we get really strong alteration and a nice fault, that, that that's a that's a much easier um, step out. Uh, if if we don't get uh, great results, then we've got to step back and potentially look at some of these other anomalies. Yeah, I mean it's 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 very alluring, isn't it? You know, great big gravity low, the fault going through, is mineralization in the area. But my goodness, you're not very data constrained. In, in some ways, this yeah. is a um, uh, it's it's proof of concept. Really, is what you're trying to do. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we've seen, um, you know, the, the reason we went at this with the gravity survey, the, the methods that we picked is we saw recent successes outside of the basin. Uh, good examples, you know, I mentioned next-gen's aero deposit, a nice gravity low with a disrupted conductor, um, the Eagle Point deposits that's there. And, uh, you know, I think the most recent discovery in eastern Athabasca is, is the Accio GMZ. Uh, we saw the work that they did there, uh, EM, gravity low, mag breaks, Went and applied that here. We have the same geophysical signatures. So now it's time for us to, like you said, turn the truth machine on and, and see if we're right. Good. Exploration at its finest. <laughs> and and hopefully it leads to um um hopefully it leads to to, to a commercial discovery. But there, there's no guarantee, but you, nope. you the harder you work, the luckier you get, so to speak. Yeah, yeah, you know, there's a little bit, of, a little bit of luck in every discovery, but there's there's good science behind all of it. And I, I just with with the team here, that's what we really try to push is, you know, test the targets. Uh, don't get too hung up on the target. Uh, let's let's get out, test, look for the right indicators. Are they there? Are they not there? And either continue drilling or or move on. Um, you know, this this area, uh, this discovery could be uh, sorry, not a discovery. Obviously, uh, this target could be um, could be quite significant. You know, you're only ten kilometers away from the Key Lake Mine and Mill uh, infrastructure. Rich, you can see the highway runs right along the side of the property there. So, if we could uh, could have some success here, it, it would be um, tremendously located from an infrastructure perspective. Yeah. Yeah, good. Um, now, I, I realize I could talk technical uh, and geology all day, but uh, with our viewers in mind, let's jump to the, your concept. Let's, let's, let's go to the, the, the project generation discussion. When a discovery is made, and, and, and I'm actually kind of slightly talking to myself, but when you've got a flagship which emerges at that mm -hmm. point, then it's become slightly dis distracting to call yourself a project generator. I think what investors want to see is that they, you are... Um, you're picking up a project and you're marching towards the horizon with that project and, and driving it up the value curve. And to me, a um, project generator model it smacks of a group that hasn't found anything yet and is and or or not not found anything, but hasn't taken it up the value curve and it's really kind of focusing on that one project. Yeah, you know the the project generator model. It's uh, we call it the hybrid project generator model. Something that Canalask has done for for its entire history. Um, and it, it's allowed the company some uh, some great success along the way. Uh, it's built some great partners in, in um, some some state-owned entities in the last run, um, and, and now in this this current cycle, we're, we're partnered with Denison and, and Cameco. Um, we've got new partners in, in Basin Energy coming in off the Australian exchange, so it allows us to spread the risk uh, on these these projects that uh, that we do have. Um, I think from my perspective here, you know. We're, we're very early at, at West MacArthur. We've got one drill season in. Um, we're trying to figure out what we have on our hands here. 
Um, so we still maintain the project generator model today. Um, and, and West MacArthur dictates, you know, where we focus our attention. Um, we have great targets like he mentioned. These targets aren't going away. Um, and I think as, as a company, we look at it and say, you know, we'd be remiss not to, to drill these targets. Um, Key Extension is a good example of a project where we we could have just as easily put it out into a, into an option agreement. But once we got that geophysics back, it just uh, Corey and I had quite a few discussions about it, and it just it's got all the right ingredients. I can't I can't give it away. I, 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 we got to get it. We got to get a drill on that, right? Um, that if you could have success at Key Extension at the same time, the the company is going to have a, a handful of, of targets to keep going after. So. You know, I totally, totally understand. Um, Ken Oscar historically has been a project generator. That's been the goal. That's, that's what's, what's allowed us to, to access the land that we have and the partners that we have. Um, Pike does change that a bit. You know, it's, it's a, it's a great discovery here. And, and now we've got to see what it is and, and what that means for, for folks in the company. So very early in, in, in the Pike discovery, I think that's, that's the big key message for me here. Yes, I mean, I, I agree. I, I mean, we, I, I revert back to that kind of earlier comment uh, of perhaps by the end of the year, it can be d described as a discovery, even by the cynical, um, jaded uh, observers of the mining industry. In, in a sense, I completely agree with the project generator model, where you use your geological analysis to, just like you've described at... Um, key extension which was to yeah. pick up the, the 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 ground which had good geophysics and um and no drilling i think you in it earlier before we came on camera you're talking about the frontier zone as well you know that frontier new license which is up kind of towards the um kind of heading to the northeast uh, a similar thing you know good geophysics uh, highly prospective area no drilling and you can pick up the license at very low cost. It's almost, uh, I, I completely understand that it's a really prudent thing to do. It's a low risk way to get carried work or actually um, hard dollars into your company by selling off or joint venturing or doing deals on the the, the kind of earlier stage portfolio. I, I, th I think what I'm driving, what I'm, what I'm internalizing is, is that now that you have got a flagship, the project generation almost kind of can go along in the background. You know, it's that's the kind of the the, the hopper of uh, new generation of projects. It's it's where you get your project pipeline from, but you talk about your flagship, so you don't stop your activity. You don't stop no, your no, we, thinking. No, we don't. We don't stop what we're doing that down it's, the line. Yeah, it's yeah. it's something that the the, the company has been very good at. Uh, it, you know, and, and something that we, that we pride ourselves in, um, in, the, in the deals that we've done. Uh, Basin Energy Deals is our newest deal. They're our newest partner. Uh, it's a great example. You know, we, we had three projects that we staked that, uh, that have now turned into, um, if Basin is to proceed all the way through, about $15 million worth of work. And, and that's, that's tremendous. That, that brings some hard dollars in for us. Um, it brings us a partner in to spread the risk. Um, and it allows our shareholders to, to share in success. If there is success there, we still own 20% of two of those projects. So that to me is, it's a, a great upside for our shareholders at a relatively low cost, um, uh, and, and allows us to spread the risk. Um, you know, Frontier is a, a great example. We just announced Frontier about uh, two weeks ago. Uh, we staked this one uh, in December, I believe. You know, it, it comes to, well, the, what you pointed out there with, with the project generator model, our, our goal here is number one, it needs to be a significant corridor. We want to be along a significant corridor, and that's what Frontier is. It's along the same corridor that, that hosts the Rough Rider deposit. 
obviously a very significant deposit in the northeastern Athabasca. And we want to see somewhere where there's been no drilling or very little drilling that hasn't been anywhere on a target. And ideally, no modern geophysics. Um, I think that uh, the geophysical techniques have come so far in the last 20 years that uh, there's a lot of areas that, that are getting overlooked because they don't have modern geophysics. Uh, Pike is a great example. That survey was run um, to, to flip back to West MacArthur. You know, that, that initial survey would have been done in 2005. Uh, 20 years later, we redid the survey, uh, but the, basically a better resolution technique than they had at the time. The time they use the best technique they had available we use what we believe is the best technique right now the the target moved to 300 meters that two 300 meters made clearly a very significant difference so good now i realize that we're, we're almost out of time but just to wrap up on key extension uh how many meters are you drilling how many what's your budget and what's your timeline on it please yeah so uh at key extension here will probably be about 1.2 1.3 million uh that should get us about uh 2000 to, to 2200 meters uh depending on on uh, drilling conditions out there uh we're we actually have started the the process of building the camp and getting that into place uh, and we're hoping as we've we've told the market we're hoping to be drilling here in early february probably be about a six-week program uh, six to eight drill holes. That that would be our target. Again, this is this is first pass. Uh, we just want to get in and get a feel for what we might be dealing with on this project, and and allow us to make a decision on how to move it forward past that. And what would constitute a technical success? I mean, I know we all know that hitting great lots of mineral, uranium is a yes. is a great success. But you know, let's let's pull it back a bit. What constitutes kind of a technical success that makes you think? Oh, yeah, I mean, to... uh, technical success. I mean, it's interesting. That's one of my my least favorite types of success because I think it's a bit of a, a cop out in a way. But uh, you know, what what we would consider success for a key extension coming coming out of twenty twenty three here would be. Uh, Identify where that structure is. Does that key lake fault continue into the property? If so, great. Um, and, and identify the alteration. What's creating those gravity lows? What's, what's changing the density of the rock? Um, is there an alteration system associated with that? If we can come on a key with a, a good structure and good alteration, then I think we're, we're well down the path that we need to be down. And the icing on the cake would be uh, elevated uranium. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Good. Nathan, thank you very much. It's been a pleasure talking to you. Um, please come back on and t tell me how the drilling is going when, when yes. you've got some results and you've, you've, you've run your, 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 your scintillometer up and down the call. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, thanks for having us today, Merlin. And uh, it's always a pleasure to talk about our projects and, and, and what we're doing. And, you know, we're just really excited about 2023. I think it, it could be a great year for the company. So stay tuned.